Like, it's amazing, right? We, we get to this time of year, we think about the busyness, maybe the hustle bustle, maybe, um, you know, we're worried about how things are going to go with families. Maybe we've talked about some of those things as we're talking about a guide to a totally awesome Christmas, right? We've talked about the light coming, right? That the light has shown up and he's here and he's present. We talked about how to have fun and dysfunction in your family. Who has a dysfunctional family? All right, you should raise your hands because you're in your family, all right? So, like, <laughs> like we, we, know, we know how it goes, right? And, and so we've been talking about these things. And, and today, we want to get back to, to the heartbeat of, for us as Christ followers, what Christmas is and, and, and the heartbeat of wonder. Let, let me describe the word wonder to you. Uh, this, is, this is the definition of wonder. It's a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, and inexplicable. And I don't know if any other season of the year is wrapped around this word wonder more than Christmas, right? Um, we, we know that these scenes that we read about in Luke chapter 2, that, that uh, the birth of a Savior was a moment of absolute wonder. And, uh, and I want us to try and recapture that. Is that Okay. This morning, I, I want us to uh, celebrate Christmas together. And, and if it's your first time with us, thank you. You know, thank you for coming on Christmas. I, I hope that um, this morning, our prayer is that every single time we gather together as a church, that God says something to you. And, and so that's my hope for you this morning, that God may speak something straight to your heart that you needed to hear today. Um, and it goes beyond anything I say, anything that we do on stage. It's, it is about the work of God in our lives, that we have a God who's present, the God who's here. Emmanuel it means God with who? with us, and that's who he is. And so he is with us this morning, and, uh, and we, we, want to, we want you to experience that, that, the God that is with us this morning. I'm going to pray, and, and, then, and then we're going to hop into what I feel like God wants us to hear this morning. And so would you pray with me? God, <clears throat> your word is true, and it's good, and, and, um, and this morning as we're, we're gathering here, I pray that you would fill us with your truth. God, we know the enemy is a liar. He's a thief, and he wants to kill, them, steal, and destroy things in our lives. And this morning, as we're here, we want to we walk away from those things. We want, want to walk into life, into truth, into your light. And, and so this morning, as we are going to read of a, a story of someone who waited, who had to wait a long time in wonder, that if we're waiting on something for you, that we would have a renewed hope in you. God, that you would speak to all of our hearts, and that, um, and that you would say whatever you want to say. We trust you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. And we said amen. 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 <clears throat> now, there's something about Christmas, right? That, that, that's, that's exciting. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you enjoy... Does anybody in here enjoy getting presents? Just, just show your hands if you enjoy getting presents. All right, if you don't, what's wrong with you, right? Like, like there's something, like, like, I think we all enjoy, like, the anticipation of getting a present, and especially at Christmas, I know as a kid, that was, like, the thing. You could not wait for Christmas morning. You could not wait to get underneath that tree when your parents finally said, go, you know, like, yes, let's rip these boxes open and, and celebrate, but there was this anticipation leading up to where you finally got to do that on Christmas morning, and, uh, and some of you have different traditions, you know, some of you are, like, if you have stockings and presents, and maybe you allow one present to be opened early and you know that's wrong but like just don't do it. or it's like some people like well we'll do our stockings on Christmas Eve you know and then we'll do this on like we all do it different and that's okay you know we all celebrate things but still there's this anticipation of of opening a present and and um there's 
like, I don't know if any of you are really good gift givers. There's some of you that just make the rest of us look bad, you know? Like those that like, you, it's a spiritual gift for you. Like you just know in your heart what somebody needs and something that would just, just make their face just shine because it's like, whoa, I, how did you even think of that? And, and um, it's so awesome whenever somebody uses that gift of giving and just knows how to do it because it's a different joy that happens when, when somebody receives that gift because it's like unexpected. It's kind of like the wonder, right? That, that getting a Christmas present, you have that feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable. Like presents can be a part of that time at Christmas for all of us that we can experience the excitement of opening, the anticipation, then finally getting to where you open the present and it's like, thank you, right? This is well uh, overwhelming thing of just thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Especially for little ones when they get stuff, it's like, Rah! you know, I, I remember when our kids were littles, you know, they're, they're biggers now, right? Like they're, they're, they're taller than me. Um, and, and, uh, but like, I remember when they were little and just the joy and excitement and wonder that happened at giving gifts. So here, here's tip number one. All right, you can fill in the blank on this as we're talking about a guide to have a totally awesome Christmas. It's giving good presents. That's a part of it. Like, so giving thoughtful presents shows love, care, and intentionality. And that's a part of the Christmas season is, is showing love, care for somebody else and trying to be intentional to, to give them something that means something, right? Not something that's just going to be disposed of or something that's going to break or something you have to put batteries in and batteries die. Like when you give something that is like, that, that has some lasting effect on somebody's life, like being intentional. And that's what giving gifts does. And uh, even beyond just Christmas, like giving gifts outside of Christmas, like a random gift to somebody can show people like that they're cared for, that they're loved, right? That they're thought of. And, and that is a part of Christmas. Now imagine this. I, I've had, I don't know if you've ever, has anybody ever pre-open a Christmas gift without anybody knowing about it? You've got any sneakers in the house, right? Like, I was pretty good at this, okay? So, like, when I was a kid, and I did it a few times, okay? Uh, <laughs> when I was, and where the tape would lay right back on perfect, and you could never tell, right? Um, but imagine that, that, like, somebody, you knew that somebody was giving you the gift that you, you've wanted it forever, and, and that gift is like, you know that's that thing. And the moment you had, you're like, I've been waiting and anticipating to get that thing. I can't wait to open that present. Now imagine if they wrap that present and they put it in the corner in September. Is that cruelty? Like you think you know or you do know actually what it is, but you cannot open that box. Like, and you cannot look inside. You cannot use that thing or you cannot like, you know, wear that thing, whatever that thing is, right? Like you are not allowed to do it. Now imagine the waiting and the anticipation until Christmas morning from September. <laughs> right. Somebody's like, uh, Jim's like, I'm doing that to my kids next year. Um, <laughs> there's a certain point of cruelty, right? But there's this anticipation. Wait, and now you got to wait even longer. You got to be kidding me. I got to wait longer and longer and longer. Anticipation, frustration, testing your patience. We're going to get into a scene in Luke chapter two where all of those things, anticipation, maybe some frustration and testing patience was a part of a gift somebody had waited for almost their whole life. So if you have your Bibles with you, open to the book of Luke with me. We hang out in Luke a lot um, during the Christmas season. So the book of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 22 through 33, okay? Luke 22 through 33. If you don't have a Bible um, here at New Hope, just so you know, we'd love for you to have a Bible. 
Uh, we've got free Bibles on the table on the other side of that wall. Grab one. It's yours. Write your name in it. Take it home with you. We want you to have God's Word. If These things are great and they're evil at the same time. They're great when you download the Bible app and use that, right? So there's Bible apps, all sorts of ways that you can get into God's Word. Um, so as you're getting into Luke chapter 2, many of us know the Christmas story, you know, and we just heard it in that video, that lead-in video, of what God had, had done. He, he made a promise. He first sent an angel to Mary, right? This young 13, 14-year-old girl who was pledged to be married to Joseph. And this angel shows up and says, hey, just so you know, you're going to be pregnant. Don't worry, it's going to be God's son. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And, uh, and you're going to name him Jesus, right? Like, like what? You know, <laughs> what? And then angel showed up to Joe, Joseph, right? And a vision said, you know, take her, be wed to her, right? And, uh, and so they started that relationship in a crazy, tricky situation, but now, I don't know if you knew this, whenever you're told you're going to have a baby, you still have to wait a little, right? Like, there's a whole process of, like, being pregnant, and, uh, and sometimes, ladies, can I get an amen? It can be uncomfortable, right? Okay, I don't know, like, you want pickles and ice cream? Like, there's some weird things that happen, right? There's, there's all sorts of stuff that happen in that process as you're anticipating a moment to come, right? Like, you're anticipating this baby's growing inside of you. This miracle is happening inside of your body. And, uh, and Mary and Joseph had to wait nine months for the fulfillment of what the angel had said. That, that's a decent amount of waiting. There's a lot that happens in life in nine months, right? I mean, think about where you were nine months ago. A lot of life happens in nine months. And so they had to wait for this gift. They had to wait in anticipation and just day by day continue to trust that God said it, we're walking into it all throughout that journey, right? So you have this sense of anticipation with Mary and with Joseph. And then, you know, you have this, this vision of, of waiting, but it's not as long for the shepherds out in the field, is it? The shepherds get an announcement from Angel that says, hey, go to Bethlehem. When? Right now. Like, so their waiting was like, oh, tonight? Yeah, you get to go tonight and see this and experience it. Like, I think they got the good end of the stick, right? They, 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 didn't, they didn't have to wait and wait and wait and wait. They were like, no, go there tonight. This is what you're going to find. The Messiah, the Savior is born. And they left and they went and they were in awe and wonder of what they experienced that night, right? So they had it all in a chump, like a really quick thing. We're looking at a story in starting in verse 22 of what happened after Jesus was born in, and after he was born in the manger, the scene, the, like angels show up to the shepherds, they come and see what's going on and they're all in wonder of what they got to experience with this gift. After this, the, the Jewish um, law said that a, a firstborn, or not firstborn, but a son after so many days would have to be taken then to the temple to be um, dedicated to God in the temple. A, a, a sacrifice, a bird would be sacrificed as a part of that process, and then the priest would do the rites, and they would then officially name the child and all that kind of stuff. And so we get into this scene now that they've been waiting, now the baby's born. Okay, now we're doing the next right thing, and we're going and dedicating our child before the Lord. And we see some characters in the Christmas story that usually aren't in your nativity scene, right? And, um, and I, I think, though, this character that we're going to talk about, his name is Simeon, is somebody that we all could probably connect with. Okay? So let's, let's hop into the scene in the story of what's going on here. In Luke chapter 2, let's start in verse 22. 
Uh, and this is what it says. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So this is the dedication. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And so they're going to go do this, right? They're good Jewish couple, you know, and in this process, they're doing all the right things to now go present Jesus in the temple. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called, say his name with me, Simeon. So it just says a man in Jerusalem. We don't, like, we don't get a lot of history about Simeon. All we get is in this moment of the story. And, and we see some characteristics about Simeon, who was a righteous, who was righteous and devout. Now, if the Bible calls you righteous and devout, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? <laughs> like, we know this guy, like, he must have lived for God. It doesn't say he was a priest. It doesn't say that, like, he was, like, working in the temple. Like, he was just a guy, right? And the reason God, we were going to see, gave him a vision, a promise, is because of, he, because of his righteousness and that he was devout to the Lord, meaning he worshiped God. And he did it you know, with intentionality. He, he did it with his heart, not just like, I'm going through the motions. It wasn't religion. Like, he was given something because he was longing for something that was showing a relationship with God. And he was righteous. Do you know what that means? It means he was living in a right way with God. And he was choosing to live an upright life. He wanted to honor God with his life. Now, that's a good place to be. Simeon, he's a good guy, right? Now, just so you know, you can be upright and you can be righteous. And you can even receive a promise from God. But you may have to wait until it's fulfillment. And that's what we learn here with Simeon. He was what? Waiting. He was waiting. He was waiting for what? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. This is a powerful phrase. When it says the consolation of Israel, he was waiting for God to to fulfill the promises and the prophecies in the Old Testament. He was waiting for Israel to be what God dreamed for it to be. He was waiting and longing for the Messiah, the one that they read about all through the Old Testament, okay? And, and in this waiting, as, as he, <laughs> this is a powerful phrase, as he was waiting, it says the Holy Spirit was on him. If you look through the Old Testament and up to this point in the New Testament, that is a powerful phrase. Today, we get to live in the time where the Holy Spirit is in all of us. When Christ ascended into heaven, he sent the promised Holy Spirit to be here amongst all of us. Before that happened, the Holy Spirit was selective. There were certain people that the Holy Spirit was on to do specific things in certain points of history. And as you read the Old Testament, you'll, you'll read that. You'll see, oh, the Holy Spirit came upon, or the Holy Spirit was working on, or whatever. And it's very specific. And in this scene, we see Simeon righteous, devout, and the Holy Spirit was on him. I think at this point, as a good Jewish guy, <laughs> he knew all the promises. He, he probably read some verses and some scriptures from the Old Testament, waiting for the anticipation of this promise that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. I bet he knew Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which says this, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, 
Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. I'm sure he read that. I'm sure he knew it. Because it's a part of the prophecies of a Messiah that he was waiting for. And he's, he, I'm sure, has read this. This was like five to seven hundred years before Jesus showed up, right? Was when this was written. That the town of Bethlehem is where this Messiah was going to be born. How many of you chose where you were going to be born? Just show of hands. None of us, right? Like, you're born where you're born. Like, it's, it's not like you put a note and send it to your mom. Hey, I want to be born here, so let's go there, right? It's, like, it's not how it works. This prophecy about where the Messiah was going to show up um, was just that. It was a fulfillment when it happened. God was arranging and aligning to fulfill all the prophecies of this Jesus, of this Messiah. And so here's Simeon waiting for this to happen, waiting for this consolation that out of Bethlehem was going to come, that was going to rule over Israel. This is the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for this moment, whose origins were from old. Why? Because Jesus didn't just show up when he was born. He was there before. He was there at the creation. He was there as a part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now he was sent to heaven, now in flesh in a new way. So this is what he was waiting for. Another passage in Isaiah that you've probably heard. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. That's a word for prophecy. It's like, this is what, how you're going to know this is the Messiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, that verse, for everybody else who read it, leading up and waiting, would have been, huh? <laughs> like, we know how the physical process works of creating babies, right? Like, how can this happen with a virgin? Well, that's going to be your sign. It's going to be different. And um, we'll conceive and give birth to a son, and he will, and we'll call him, what's his name? Emmanuel. That's, this means God with us. I mean, God was going to show up in a new way. Born, born from a virgin. And so I'm sure Simeon probably has read this. <laughs> it's like, okay, Bethlehem, a virgin. And probably in Isaiah 9, 6, we just sang about this one. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here's Simeon waiting for this waiting for the consolation I don't know how long you've had to wait for a gift before it's probably not as long as Simeon was waiting let's keep reading about this guy Simeon verse 26 it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah <laughs> talk about a gift I don't know, I don't, we don't know exactly when that happened. I'm assuming it wasn't three days before the moment, right? I'm assuming it wasn't like the angels and the shepherds, like, oh, today <laughs> that was revealed? No, it had been revealed. Some point in the past, the Holy Spirit came upon him and revealed to him, you will not die before you see the Messiah. <sighs> Talk about waiting. I'm, and now I'm, if you were given a promise that the Messiah was going to come, would you go to church every Sunday? Right? He's like, I've been given this promise. 
I'm showing up to worship because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when the promise is going to be fulfilled, but I'm going to be present. And that's what Simeon was. He was present. He went to the temple to worship. He, he went and studied, uh, you know, the scriptures of the Old Testament. He, he was devout. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was a godly man. And he got to be the one who waited and longed for the fulfillment of this promise. Could have been years, you know. It could, I mean, it could have been in his 20s, you know, that's like, oh, just, you know, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And he's like, I'm 20. Is this like next year, 21? Like, is it the... Is it going to happen now, Jesus? Uh, you know, is Jesus coming? Is the Messiah showing up? And now he's probably 60, 70. Do you see this sense of waiting? I don't know what you're waiting for. I, I don't know if God has given you a promise, and maybe you've given up on it. This is what I know about God. If he promises, he fulfills. And when we are in the seasons of waiting, even when it's hard, I'm emotional because I'm in that season right now. Just waiting for a promise to be fulfilled for our family. And we're not there yet. I know in those seasons, what we're called to do is to be righteous, devout, and living full of the Holy Spirit. Why? Whatever God reveals, He fulfills. It should have been a fill in the blank. It's not. Sorry. Write that down. Whatever God reveals, he fulfills. How do I know that? Well, let's keep reading the story. Let's keep seeing what happened in this waiting that Simeon was waiting for. He was waiting for something way bigger than I'm waiting for. Most likely way bigger than any of us are waiting for. And this is what happened. Moved by the Spirit. Why was he moved by the Spirit? Because he's living in the Spirit. Because <laughs> he's walking with God. And so when you're walking with God, you can be moved by God. You can go where he is because he's leading you. Moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts, which I'm sure is a place he knew well. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, so they're walking in obedience, Simeon took him in his arms and praise God. I don't, it doesn't say how he did it. I don't know if some of you mamas with your babies, if some random guy showed up and said, give me your baby. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> right? Like, a, excuse me? But if the Holy Spirit's involved, if this is going to be a, something that, that God has foreordained in this moment, it just says, Simeon took him, took Jesus from Mary and Joseph and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's like, this is what I've been waiting for. Now I can rest. I wasn't in peace before because I was waiting for the promise. I was, I, I was struggling. I, and, you know, 
he was walking as a devout follower. He was doing all the right things. But it wasn't until it was fulfilled, he said, now you can dismiss me, God. Your promise has been fulfilled. And he says this, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. This is a change in tone. Before it said he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So there's promises that were just for the Jews. <laughs> and that's what he was longing for. And now he speaks a new word. Because when the Savior came, a new thing came. A new promise showed up. And in this promise, it says, <laughs> which you have prepared in the sight of what? All nations. Not, not just Israel. All nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. What? That's not Israel. That's not just the Jews. He's like, oh, no, no, no. This is for everyone. Everywhere for the rest of all time. A light has come. The revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So it's for them too. It's like, this is for everybody. This promise fulfilled that this Messiah will come. One that will rule on the throne forever. The one that will bring salvation. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He is come for all people. There was a darkness over the world. A light has shined. He has come. Verse 33. The child's father and mother, say it with me, marveled at what was said about him. This is the Christmas wonder. A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, un inexplicable. Simeon marveled that salvation had come. He said, your, your promise fulfilled. You can take me home now, God. <laughs> we don't know if he, if, if he died right then. <laughs> we don't know if like, he left and be like, all right. And he was just like, I'm... I'm we don't know if he lived 20 more years, but I'm sure the, the last 20 after that promise was pretty darn good. <laughs> I'm, you know, in, in human life, we still go through struggles. But if we go through struggles after a promise has been revealed, we go through it differently, don't we? After we experienced hope, after, after we experience the Messiah, some of you in this room as Christ, you've experienced the gift of grace and salvation because the Messiah has come. Amen. And our lives are different because of it. The promise has already been fulfilled in us. Some of you in this room, you have not walked into the promise of salvation that God has given. And you don't know what it's like on the other side of salvation. I'm praying today that you understand Christmas is all about salvation. It's all about forgiveness of sins. It's all about the fulfillment of God's promise to all the nations. And just so you know, you're part of that. I want you this Christmas to marvel. This is the word marvel that is used that right here when he says the child's father and mother just marveled. I mean, would you not marvel if that was said about your kid? I wish, I wish we had more of the story of Jesus as a toddler, right? Like, because, I mean, he still had diapers. You know, he still made messes. He still, but if you knew this, 
Would you not marvel every day at your kid, right? So it says they marveled at what they heard, all that they experienced of what God had done. Marvel, it's, it's this Greek word. I don't know how to pronounce it. Thaumetso or something like that. But it's to wonder at or admire, to marvel. Like to wonder at. Like it's to allow yourself to be overwhelmed with, with just not... I don't even know how to put words to it. I don't know if you've ever seen something that you've just just put you in, into a, a spot of wonder. Like, you couldn't explain it. You couldn't describe. You couldn't say, oh, this is why. There was, no, there was no, like, logic. It was just you felt it, experienced it, and God moved in it, and all you could just, you just go, wow. That's it. And just like, hide it in your heart. Just, wow. That's where Mary and Joseph were. That's where Simeon was. They just marveled at the promises of God being fulfilled. During Christmas, would you allow God to fill you with that awe, wonder, and to marvel at what he's done for you? Here's the amazing thing about Christmas. We're talking about presents, right? The anticipation of waiting to open a gift. And, uh, and we think about, like, if we gave Jesus a gift, like if we got to actually like, be with Jesus and give him a gift, what would it be? What does he want? I mean, when you think about God, what would God want as a gift that is something he hasn't already given us? That's hard, that's hard to think about, isn't it? Like, God is the perfect gift giver. The Holy Spirit is the perfect gift giver. What would God want from us? This is the wonder of Christmas. What can you give God that he hasn't given you? Your sin. That's the gift he wants from you. What? This doesn't make it. Wait, Tim. No, no, no. I got to give him something better than that. I got to be a good person. That's the gift. I, I, today I'm going to try my best to do everything right and to do everything good. That's the gift I'm going to give him. Do you know what? He doesn't want it. Because even on your best day, you're not good enough, right? You can't give him that. Why? Because he's perfect. He's already given perfection. He, the only thing he asks for from you, for you to give him, is your sin. That's what he asked for. Give me your sin. Why? Because I'm the Messiah. That's why I came. I came to die on a cross to pay for your sin. And the only thing I want from you is your sin. I want you to give it to me. And when you give it to me, here's the cool thing. I get to gift you back all my righteousness. But God can't give you his righteousness if you don't give him the gift of your sin. This is, this is God's grace. This is the unfair gift exchange at Christmas. Because it's not fair for us to give him a sin, for us to get all the righteousness that he makes us right before God. And God says, I know it's not fair, but it's true. That is why the Messiah had to come. Because somebody had to deal with our sin. 
there had to be a sacrifice once and for all, a perfect, blemish-free lamb, which he is the lamb of God, to be sacrificed, broken, body, blood poured out for our sin so that he could take the penalty and the weight of our sin and then give us his righteousness and makes us right before God. And so when God sees us, he sees us through his son. He says, that's my child. He's mine. So the only gift you can give God is your sin. My question is, have you given him that gift yet? Maybe today you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower, and, and, um, and yet there's things in your life that you know just aren't right. Like, you know there's things in your life that you keep kind of taking back and you keep, like, you keep struggling with and this, this sin. You know that the moment you give it back to him, it's gone. The moment you say, God, here's the sin, would you forgive me? It's forgiven. In that instant, in that moment, he longs for it. He wants you to ask him and to make you right before him all the time. So if you're a Christ follower, that's what you gotta do. You just gotta keep coming before him and saying, God, I'm sorry I keep sinning. And he goes, I know you're gonna keep sinning. It's okay. That's why I came. To save you. To make you right before me. If you don't know Christ, I'm just letting you know, if you carry the sin the rest of your life, it'll be the burden for eternity. because there's no way you can get to God still carrying your own sin. There's no way you can get to God by being good enough or right enough or following the rules or being a good person. Like, it doesn't work. The only way you can get to God is by being totally holy and right before him. And the only way that happens is when you confess Christ is the one that died for you. And you give him your sin. And you, be, you, you become right before God. And it's nothing you can do there's nothing you can do to climb the ladder to heaven. There's nothing you can do to make yourself good enough before him. And God knew it, and he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son for you. And my prayer for you, if you don't know God, is today, would you give him your sin? Would you be right with him? Because all of those who are made right and holy before him, now we get to live in a different kind of waiting and anticipation. We're waiting for the return of Jesus. He promised to come the first time, and he's promised to come again. And so those that know Christ, we wait for promises to be fulfilled in our lives, yes. We wait for certain seasons to come in our life that we live on this earth, but we're longing for the day when all will be made right again in the presence of our Heavenly Father when Christ returns and all is made back to his dream in the garden where we have perfect relationship with him and each other, no more sin or brokenness, like that is the longing and waiting we have right now. Amen? I mean, that's what we long for. In the life that we live, we get to experience moments of God's peace, moments of his joy, moments of restoration and forgiveness, but we're waiting for the consolation we get to be with him forever. And we don't have to live in that tension any longer. I just want to take a moment for us to respond this morning. And, and uh, in a moment, we're going to sing a song we all know. You know, we get to this time of year and, and silent night. I'm hoping it's more than just a tradition for us to sing. 
um, because it takes us back to the moment of promise. It takes us back to the moment when, when Simeon had the promise fulfilled, right? That the Savior has come, that you don't have to live in darkness anymore. The light has come. And so let's just take, take a moment to, to respond and let God speak to us. God, thank you for your word. It's true. It's good. And this morning, um, I know I need it. I need your word. God, as we take this time just to respond and just let you speak to each of us personally, individually, um, I'm just asking, would you, would you work in each of our hearts? I, I don't know what you want to say to each of us, but you do. And, and so would you speak um, right now? Let me, let me talk to the Christians in the room first, those of you that have made a decision for Christ, and you're walking it with him. And When we get to Christmas, are you, are you in wonder and awe of the gift of salvation you've been given through the Messiah? Or are you busy in the hustle and bustle of life in the season? Today, this morning, is just a time to stop and renew your faith and to focus on the wonder of what God has done for you and worship Him. Just thank Him for this gift. If you don't know Jesus as your own Savior this morning, if you don't have a relationship with this God I'm talking about, I love what Simeon said, Luke 2.30. He said, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. God's already finished everything for your salvation. You don't have to do anything for it. God did it all. John 3.16, you probably heard before, but John 3.17 is a really good follow-up. Because <laughs> John 3.16 and 17 says this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, the best present ever, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, which that's what sin does. It, we perish in our sin, separated for God. No, 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 you don't have to do that. For whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So let me talk to those of you who are not Christ followers yet. If you are living in this world and you feel condemned, that's Satan's work. He wants you to feel shameful, hurt, broken, lost, dark. That's not why God sent Jesus. He didn't send his son to condemn you but to save the world through him. And when it says the world, it's to save you through him. If you don't know Christ today, I would ask you to come to him today. The altar is always open. <laughs> the cross is always free. But it takes you confessing in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own belief that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he paid the price for your sins and that when you give him his, your sin... He gives you all his righteousness and he makes you right before God. 
And today, if you want that, I'm going to pray right now. And if you want that, I'm going to invite you to pray. I say there's no magic prayer of the pastor. I don't get you any closer to Jesus. I'm just a sinner who found the Savior, showing you where to go. That's it. That's all I am, okay? There's no more earthly priests on this planet. (laughs) Jesus is our priest. He's the only one that gets us to God, okay? But if you want a relationship with him today, I would say give him your sin right now. That's what he's waiting for. Let's bow our heads, and if that's you, just pray to him right now. And you can say this. Say, God, I don't want to be lost anymore. I don't want to be condemned anymore. And so I'm confessing, Jesus is your son. You sent him to die on the cross for my sin. And when he died, he paid for my sin. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I repent and I want to turn away from them and I want to walk towards you. I want to be saved. So I invite you into my life, into my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me up. And God, give me your peace. I give you my life. Here I am. Thank you for saving me, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room, as we continue in this Christmas season, fill us with awe and wonder. There was a dark in the world, but it doesn't have to be dark anymore. The light has come. The light has come. And now we get to be a part of that light. So just lead us in this time of response as we sing, God, and as, as we light candles. And, and in this moment, as we light candles and light up the room with what we're holding, help us understand we're the light of the world. Okay, let's do this, church. Let's, if you want to grab your candles, go ahead and grab those candles. And, and if, you've got, uh, if you've got littles with you, um,